Good morning. How are you all? Well, Maureen's fine. That's fine. It means we can carry on if Maureen's fine. Uh, so, as Andy said, today is gift day, and uh, there's that that topic that we'll be that we'll be talking about a little bit more than we normally would. We usually do when we come to giving time, just say a little prayer and remind ourselves that our giving is an act of worship. But um, today, a little bit more than that. Um, and we're not we're not really going to talk much about specific projects and oh we're fundraising for this or we're fundraising for that. Um, we are going to look at what the Bible has got to say about the concept of generosity and sowing into God's kingdom, and uh, just allow God to speak to us from that. So I'm going to look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine. We'll have a, a little bit of time in this chapter, and then just look at some general principles that uh, we can take from that passage and from other places in, in scripture around the, the, the blessing of generosity. So God, I just ask that you would speak to us, that you would really challenge us and inspire us today, that God, you would fill us with a vision of your kingdom, of, of a way of living, God, that you invite us into, that is a bit contrary to the world system. That, Father, we might have hearts that are open to you. And a passion for your kingdom and its growth and its advancement. In Jesus' name. So I've, I've titled this, uh, this little talk, Living in God's Economy. And I'm just going to read then Second Corinthians chapter 9 and we'll go from there. So this is Paul speaking. He says... I really don't need to write to you about the ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem, for I know how eager you are to help. And I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia about that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, I, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. But I'm sending you these brothers to be sure you really are ready, as I have been telling them, and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all I told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this. A farmer who plants only, or plants, I suppose, if you... Sorry, it's getting old now, isn't it? But I'm going to keep doing it. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty to left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor, their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. 
And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. But your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for his gift. Too wonderful for words. So the chapter is basically covering two things. It's in two parts really. The first part is really just Paul uh, wanting to um, express really his his hope that the believers in um, in Corinth are going to actually follow through on the commitment that they'd made. So a year before, there'd been this awareness that the church in Jerusalem, there was need, and the people of, of Corinth were like, we're going we're gonna to have a whip round, and we're going to make sure that these needs get met. We're going to give sacrificially and make sure that these needs get met. And uh, so that promise, that declaration of we're going to help here had inspired Paul and had sh- he'd shared this amazing story of their commitment to generosity uh, around Macedonia and that had prompted the churches and the people in Macedonia to be like oh wow well that sounds like an exciting thing let's get in on this and they'd started giving too so Paul was like these guys have been impressed by your attitude of generosity and it's actually sparked a bit of generosity in them so the concern is Let's just make sure that you are ready to follow through on the commitment you've made. Because if not, that's going to be a bit embarrassing for me. It's going to be uh, a bit embarrassing for you. And so let's just make sure you're ready to follow through on what you've committed to. So that's, that's the first part. But the second part, which is a lot more exciting really, is him expressing the joy uh, of generous giving. And the reality of stepping into God's economy. Stepping into God's way of doing things. And he does that really through the imagery of sowing and reaping. So it's a farming illustration that he uses, that imagery that he uses uh, of sowing and reaping. So um, let's go ahead around that imagery that he's using just so that it will help us to understand the principle of sowing and reaping. The principle, the the spiritual principle of giving and what that does uh, for us and for our lives. So... uh, he says, God gives seed to the sower. I want you to imagine uh, you're in a farming context and you've got a huge bag of wheat. It's a harvest. You've got a huge supply of wheat. Maybe it's a barn full of wheat. I don't know. So what the principle is here is don't turn all the grain into flour and therefore all into bread. Because if you eat it all, you consume all of it then you, you won't have any to sow for next year. So you won't have a harvest next year. So you might be very full this year, um, but you might die of starvation next year because the, the, the provision won't be there. And so in the same way, so basically sow a proportion, hold back a proportion of the wheat that you've got, hold it back and sow it so that you'll have stuff growing for you over the next year. So this time next year, you'll have a harvest of load more. Um, So basically, that imagery is saying when we 
hold everything to ourselves, we close off the potential of provision in the future. But when we have a, an attitude of giving, an attitude of, that's open-handed and that takes a proportion of what we have and sows it, that brings about a harvest in the future. So that's the, the imagery to farming um, metaphor, I suppose. But it helps us to understand what Paul's saying here. Keep it all, and you might be full today, but you won't be provided for tomorrow. Sow a little bit of it, and that will be making way for God's provision in the future. So, I want us to look at the, this concept of there being joy in giving. And uh, from this chapter, and some uh, a few other little bits which we'll look at as well, uh, we there are six observations that I've made I think it's really worth just having a bit of a look at this morning as we think about this concept of gift day, this concept of sacrificial giving, sowing into the work of God's kingdom. What does God have to say about that? And what are the joys of giving? So, number one, you get to have an impact beyond yourself. I don't know if you know any <coughs> people who only ever think about themselves or only ever worry about themselves, uh, very introspective and navel-gazing. It's quite, I think there's probably quite a high level of depression, actually, in, in, in people who have that way of looking at life. I hadn't written that down, and I want to be very clear in me saying that. I'm not saying that that's the cause of depression, or that's, you know. But having an impact beyond yourself, where what you have can, can actually impact the lives of other people. Thinking, I just loved it when, when Mark and Sarah were here the other week, and they were sharing about the work that they're doing in Japan, and they have a small community of people, and people come into faith, and there's now a group of 30 people uh, following Jesus in a completely unreached uh, area of Japan. You know, our lives and our sacrificial giving and our sowing into God's kingdom has had an impact on lives of people who we'll never know. And, and, and having that ability to impact beyond yourself widens your perspective and enlarges your vision. Two, those who receive the benefit will give glory to God. Paul's saying this about the church in Jerusalem. He's like, when they receive this uh, giving that you have, have committed, they are going to give glory to God. God is going to receive worship because of your generosity. And their relationship with God is going to be impacted. They are going to be drawn closer to God because of your generosity. And I just think that's an incredible concept to think about. Um, the idea that material things can be used for an eternal spiritual impact. People's lives actually being changed. People, uh, and I think about some of the projects that we've been doing here, and you're, you're working with people in, perhaps thinking about life skills, and you see people's um, 
entrapment in financial difficulty being released because of the training and the, the input that they're able to have in, in this room. And you see the change that that brings to their lives. And, you know, we've had some of them then come onto the Alpha course and have given their lives to Jesus and they're following Jesus as Lord as a direct result of literally the ability, the resources that we've had to be able to, to, to run that course. So a very practical sticking a tenor in, into the offering has actually had a spiritual impact on people's lives. And, and Paul's saying, you know, your, your practical demonstration of love in this, they are going to give glory to God. And they're going to, they're going to grow in their walk with God because of you. So it seems like a very practical thing, but it's a very spiritual thing. And that's a really cool thing about money, actually. Money is just a thing, and it can be used for good, and it can be used for bad. So, you, say, yeah, you get to have an impact beyond yourself. Those who receive the benefit will give glory to God. Thirdly, giving expresses our trust in God's provision. It's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it, really, to give. Perhaps it's better to just keep and keep and keep and keep. We'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. But giving, I, I think it, it, it is, it's an act of worship <coughs> in that it expresses our trust that God is able to provide for our needs. It, it acknowledges him as our source. And some of the, the principles that are here in this passage, some of the things that Paul's been talking about, around sowing, about giving, and uh, giving sacrificially, and trusting that God will meet your needs, trusting that he will provide and increase your resources, and produce a great harvest of generosity in you. These are the commitments that God is making. They're either, they're either really true because God's really God, or they're not true. Either we can trust God with our provision and therefore live lives that are open-handed. Or we don't believe that he's God and we don't believe that he can provide for us. We don't believe he's our source. We don't believe he can do the miraculous. We don't believe in any of that. And we just keep ourselves to ourselves. Giving is an expression of saying, you know what, God, this is what I have and I'm putting it into your hands because I believe you are real. I believe you can do more with it than I can and I believe that you can provide for me and you can backfill this sowing of generosity. And that leads to the next one, which is that God, uh, sorry, generosity unlocks God's blessing over our lives. Think for a minute about, I don't know, the Dead Sea. There's stuff that flows into the Dead Sea and, and there's no outflow from the Dead Sea. And therefore, um, it's dead. Nothing lives there. It's just full of salt and there are no fish. It's the Dead Sea. Or imagine a drain pipe. And you've just got this drain pipe and there's a blockage at the bottom of the drain pipe. So there's no flowing out from the drain pipe. Well, that drain pipe will fill up right up to the top. And it's full of stagnant, stinky, miserable, horrible, 
probably green, yucky water. Now you can try and pour in as much water as you can to the top, but while the blockage is going on here, it's only going to be stagnant water. And the outflow is what will cause the ability for new inflow. And this is a really important principle. And, and um, <clears throat> I think this passage really speaks about that when it says, you know, your giving and your, your sowing will bring about God's provision for you. If there's no outflow, don't expect an inflow. You ask God for his provision God help, God help, God, God, give me this, give me this, give me this. We need this, we need that, we need the other. But if there is no outflow, we literally can't expect and there is no room for inflow. And our step of faith, our action in giving out actually provokes, it unlocks God's blessing and God's provision over our lives. The world system says keep, keep doesn't it? And, the, and God says, God's economy, God's system says, so, 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 give, 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 and let that flow out through you. Let your resources be a way of impacting and advancing God's kingdom, be a system of sharing, of giving to those in need, of outflow, so that I, God, who created everything, and I just love that passage in Colossians where it talks about God, you know, creating everything. He said, light be and light was. He holds all things together. Like everything that has been created was created by him. There's nothing that exists that he did not create. And then it says he's the head of the church, which is his body. God has a massive heart for and a, a, a priority for the church. In fact, if you believe the New Testament, you believe that the church is God's answer and what it's all for. So actually having a mindset of prioritising God's kingdom, prioritising God's church, and sowing into it, and allowing our lives to be poured out for that. That's stepping into God's way of doing things. And it's really trusting that if this is what God is wanting us to do in a way that God wants us to live, that we can really trust him in that. Like if, if I, I really believe, if I really believe that God is who he says he is and God will provide seed for the sower. If I really believe that he is my source and my provider, if I really trust in his provision, if I really believe this, it says, the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat in the same way, he will provide and increase your resource and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. If I really believe that, that can cause me to be absolutely outrageous in my generosity. If I don't believe it, then I'll hold back. If I don't really believe it, then I'll be very cautious, very sensible. 
if I believe that God is who he says he is and that he will do the things he's committed to, I can be much more outrageous in my generosity. The world system says keep, 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 and I have experienced that through the time living, uh, as you know, a lot of you will know, I lived for a year and a half in Monaco, and um, the, 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 the most concentrated little collection of the world's wealthiest people all in one place, and they're all living there in their studio apartments, desperately trying to hold on to everything, not pay any tax, you see. So they're living in a 25-metre studio flat that cost them €3 million, Euros and... Um, because they don't want to pay tax, because they want to keep, 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 keep. And the country wouldn't disclose the statistics about this, obviously, because it breaks the illusion, doesn't it, of the, was it the Emperor's New Clothes? <laughs> but many of them go out the 30th floor of their building because they don't have any hope. So all the stuff not bring about satisfaction. So generosity unlocks God's blessing over our lives. Uh, number five, giving is an act of worship and a step of faith. Kind of just is a different way of saying the previous points really. But it is an act of worship. It's saying God I love you and I'm going to demonstrate that in prioritising your kingdom. I think it's about prioritising God's kingdom over our material desires. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard uh, anybody speaking around prosperity. <coughs> and I've, I, I mean, I've been around in circles for... 44 years and I've heard the, the worst of the worst of all of that stuff. But God's desire, and you see it there in this passage, is to prosper us. But prosperity is not materialism. God prospering us is not God giving you more stuff or me more stuff. Us laying our lives down and saying, you know what, God, in my life, if, going back to that that we were looking at, just I was mentioning Colossians 1, and God being uh, in Christ, bringing the whole of creation together, and God being in Christ, reconciling all of humanity to himself on the cross, and God being in Christ as his body, the church, if the whole of creation and all of God's work is now focused on the work of his church and the furtherance of his kingdom, people being brought into relationship with him, the barrier that has been put in place of sin and death and hell being taken out of the way and people coming into relationship with God through the cross, if, that, if, that's, really, if that's really what we're all, everything is heading towards and what's most important and what's the most valuable thing on God's heart. And that's worth giving our everything to. 
God's church is not just something that is a peripheral thing that we spend an hour on a Sunday just ticking a box. God wants his kingdom. God wants the priority of of lives being brought into his kingdom, of, of lives being brought into relationship with him has to be the utmost importance. And, you know, I've sat um, in alpha courses where I've actually watched, like you see scales begin to come off people's eyes and there's a moment, sometimes it's a moment, sometimes it happens a bit more gradually, but often there is a moment where you're sitting there and you see the look on someone's face when they really get it. God loves me. God made me and he loves me. There's nothing more precious and more exciting and more life-giving than watching that happen and being a part of that story of God's plan, of God's work being made manifest in the earth, in our day and in our time. Of lives being changed by his love. There's nothing more valuable than that. So when God's, God you know, makes that promise that he's going to prosper our lives, that we're going to walk in the fullness of his blessing, I think the fullness of knowing that we are part of his kingdom purposes, of actually seeing that happen and unravel in front of our eyes on a one-by-one, person-by-person basis, and even then being involved in things that are beyond our own reach, thinking about Mark and Sarah, thinking about Cambodia, thinking about the different uh, people who are involved in building God's kingdom, that is incredibly, uh, 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 mind-bogglingly blessed to live lives that are participating in God's kingdom and stepping out in faith and living for him and for his glory. Final one is giving, living by God's economy doesn't obey basic maths. Um, let's suppose you have a hundred pounds. Basic maths says, or let's say, okay, you have £100 and you feel on your heart, or God prompts you, you know, give £10 of that away. Now, basic maths says that you're better off keeping the £100. Basic maths says that £100 will go further than £90. £100 is more valuable than £90. £100 is better to have in your pocket than £90. But somehow, God seems to work it that when we walk in obedience to him, you're better off with the 90 than keeping the 100. When I was growing up, we, uh, I was taught the principle... Um, which we sometimes talk about it, but we, we um, there's a, a concept that you find quite a bit in the Old Testament, not so much in the New Testament. It's a bit more about, well, actually, to be honest, it's a bit more about giving everything to God in the New Testament. But the Old Testament talks about this concept of uh, giving the first 10% of your income to God. And uh, I remember parents saying, this is, you know, this is a really great principle. And, um, you know, so I used to do that. I would get a pound pocket money and I'd this a, a principle that kind of got ingrained in me this is God's way and 
doing things God's way and in God's economy, we can kind of live on as a little bit more on the edge, a little bit more trusting in his provision. And, uh, and I can just say after all my many, many years <laughs> that I can absolutely stand by the principle of that. And I can absolutely stand by and say with, without any exceptions that, that God has always, always, always provided for me. And now as a family, God has always, always, always provided for us. Math says keep the hundred because a hundred is more than ninety. But God says trust me and I will provide for all that you need. Um, I'm going to just read a couple of little bits from different parts of the Bible. Is everybody okay? I hope I'm making sense. I've not been feeling very well this last couple of days, so um, sometimes things flow beautifully and sometimes they don't. But there we go. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. (coughs) Malachi 3, it's a very famous passage that's really talking about the concept of tithing, but just a couple of verses in it, verses 10 to 12. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be food in my temple. For if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. How ridiculous is that? A number of times that Jesus says, don't dare you test God. And yet God is actually putting it out there, laying it out as a bit of a challenge. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them against insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. God's way. It's just remembering, isn't it, that if God created everything and holds all things together, then he kind of can make things work out in your favour or potentially make things not work out in your favour Um, (laughs) because he's God he's like really big and we can trust him Jesus then so we've looked at a letter from Paul to a New Testament church we've looked at some uh, a passage from Old Testament poetry Old Testament prophetic uh, writing and this is the words of Jesus himself then Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more important than food and your body more than clothing. 
Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store in food in barns. For God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worries can't accomplish a little thing like that, what is the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and are thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat or what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father a great happiness to give you the kingdom. That sounds like a good news, doesn't it? Don't fear. The father is happy to give you the kingdom. Next, what's next? Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasures for you in heaven and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Through giving, we get to have an impact beyond ourselves. People who receive the benefit of that generosity will give glory to God and it extends his kingdom. Giving expresses our trust in God's provision. It unlocks God's blessing over our lives. It clears out the drain pipe, if you like. It allows that flow in of his blessing. It's an act of worship, a step of faith. It doesn't obey basic maths. It's about living God's way, prioritising his kingdom. Wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will also be. Father, this morning we acknowledge our need of you. We acknowledge, God, that you are our source. I thank you that you care about us enough to have put so much, I mean, there's loads of stuff in your word about the principles of giving, about how we should use our money, about wisdom in finances. I thank you for that. I thank you for all that you've given us. Because you know how important, how much a part of our lives money is. But I thank you, Lord, that it is a thing that can be used for your kingdom and for your glory. I pray, God, that we would use our treasure, we would use our resources and our time and our energy for the purposes of your kingdom and for, uh, as an act of worship for you. Lord, if you really are the God of all things and you uh, really did lay down your life for the world, 
and you really do want relationship with people to be restored through the work of the cross. And if the church really is your body, your representation on earth, it is of infinite importance. And we want, Lord, our lives to be laid down as an act of worship for you. Let our, let our lives, Lord, as that verse, let our, our treasure, let our desires, let our, let our passion, let our time Let it, let it be for your kingdom, for your purposes, Lord. Stir our hearts, we pray. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name.